Hey everyone, it's Dr. Cassie of Vetfolio bringing you another fantastic podcast sponsored in part by Hills. Today's podcast features Dr. Lance Rosa speaking about a topic that can be kind of difficult for veterinarians, myself included, and that's personal finance. Although things like student loans and high debt to income ratios can make this kind of a painful topic, financial wellness is important for so many reasons, including some that Dr. Rosa touches on that might surprise you. And if anyone can help us navigate a personal finance discussion, it's Dr. Rosa. I've heard him speak at other conferences prior to recording this podcast, and guys, he's a wealth of knowledge and really comes from a place of experience when it comes to financial well-being for veterinarians. Part of that is because he's a veterinarian himself who's personally bought and sold multiple veterinary practices, and he's also an attorney that advises buyers and sellers when it comes to these transactions. He regularly lectures in veterinary colleges as part of a growing trend toward including curriculum on contracts, negotiation, and career and business development in veterinary education. And I have to throw in a personal aside at this point because it's something that I feel really strongly about. As someone who holds a business certificate as part of my veterinary education from the University of Florida, I can attest to how vital it is to have some form of business training prior to leaving vet school because, like it or not, financial and business discussions are just part of a successful veterinary career. But getting back to Dr. Rosa, in addition to his work as a veterinarian and in the transactions involving veterinary practices, Dr. Rosa is past president of the American Veterinary Medical Law Association and serves as co-advisor to the National Veterinary Business Administration. I'm so excited to have him with us today. Dr. Rosa, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Dr. Cassie, for that wonderful introduction. I was thrilled when Vetfolio asked me to talk about this topic, this topic of financial wellness and what do veterinarians do wrong. Why? Because this is something that I see every day, day in and day out, that is insanely important for veterinarians, but I see the same mistakes being made over and over again. So today I've got prepared for you five common mistakes that veterinarians make when it comes to their finances and their financial wellness. We'll start with number one. I call this the bury the head in the sand approach. Veterinarians run from everything financial. They assume that because they're not trained in financial topics, they don't enjoy financial topics, that somehow the rules won't apply to them as a veterinarian. And obviously, this can't be farthest from the truth. This is one of those topics where you've got to pull your head out of the sand and face these problems that are standing in front of you. Secondly, some veterinarians feel that they're just too far behind, that they just, they can't, they never did learn the financial stuff. They, they don't know where to start. So they just continue to ignore it. To me, this is like a necropsy rotation on fourth year. Let's say that you're performing a necropsy or you have to perform a necropsy on a colic horse and it's summertime. We all know that that's gross. It stinks. You'd much rather just go home, but you just have to put on your coveralls and mud boots and walk into the necropsy lab and and get it done. We all know that once you get started, it's not that bad. And that's exactly what I feel, how I feel about financial stuff. I ran from it for a long time. And then once I became kind of engrossed in it, hey, it's not that bad. Looking at this, the antidote, and so one way to say that what veterinarians are is they're, they're apathetic. They ex- display apathy to financial topics. The antidote for apathy is empowerment. So I personally spend a lot of time talking about empowerment, creating a you-can-do-it type attitude, a, you know, hey, this isn't going to be very complicated. Once we just take very small steps over long periods of time, we can get folks to a place of financial enjoyment, a place of financial wellness. It's really pretty simple once you get started. And oh, by the way, financial wellness is an absolute core component of overall wellness. And so there's a lot of conversations in veterinary medicine right now about wellness and financial wellness is the gateway to loving your career, loving your life, loving your family and everything around you. So number one, 
Don't bury your head in the sand. Stand and confront those financial topics. Be empowered. You can do it. There's lots of resources and lots of people out there to help you. So number one, approach those things head on. Number two, the the second common problem, the second problem issue that I see veterinarians do is they just do not seek good advice when it comes to financial topics. I kind of break that down into two two groups overall. And group number one is the DIYers, the do-it-yourselfers. These veterinarians are used to handling things on their own. A lot of us don't stop and ask for directions when it comes to driving. But fortunately, that subset of veterinarians and that kind of subset of life is going away. We now live in a time where information is much freer, that, that uh, people are much more willing to help. And so this DIY or attitude is kind of going away, but it still exists to a large extent in veterinary medicine. Like I said earlier, veterinarians are not trained in financial matters. We don't like financial matters, generally speaking. And some of us have very complex financial problems. This is a recipe for a disaster when it comes to doing it yourself. This is a time to get some professional help. So don't be a DIYer. Don't be a do-it-yourselfer. Get some professional help. The follow-up question is, is who? Who do we get to help? And so let's start by talking about fiduciary duty. Not a very exciting word and definitely not a veterinary, a word that most veterinarians learned in veterinary school. And so a fiduciary is someone on the financial side that has to, either through a legal bound or at being ethically bound, they have to put your interest, the interest of the client, of the veterinarian, before the interest of the finances of their own. So a fiduciary is someone that puts their interest, that your interest in front of theirs. So on the converse, someone that is not a fiduciary, you know, maybe may sell you a product, let's say an insurance product or a financial product, where they are incentivized by some sort of commissions or hidden kickback. And that's not what we want. If you are in the market and you're asking for help from people, from advisors or financial folks, you want them to give give the best, most solid advice they can and be very open and transparent about how they're getting paid, where the commissions are coming from, and things like that. And so the law or financial people, they call this being a fiduciary. And so people that are a fiduciary will not shy away from the fact that they're a fiduciary. They'll tell you straight up or on their website that they do employ a fiduciary relationship. Lawyers are obviously fiduciaries. Many certified financial planners are fiduciaries. And so when you do go to ask for advice, ask the right people, I guess is what I'm saying. So don't trust everyone that's in the financial sector. So this is another, you know, kind of a second, you know, type person, you know, when it comes to not seeking a good advice. Veterinarians are very trustworthy individuals, and so they trust most people. And so don't be afraid to ask someone straight up, how do you get paid? Ask the simple question, are you a fiduciary? If they don't have anything to hide, they love those questions because that's what separates them, these financial folks, from the rest of the crowd. If they do have something to hide, if they don't, if they aren't a fiduciary or they are selling products in an unethical or, you know, scrupulous matter, then they're going to dance around the answer to that simple question, are you a fiduciary? So to kind of sum this one up, number two, a lot of veterinarians do not seek good advice, either because they are DIYers or they just ask the wrong people and don't understand what a fiduciary relationship is. So ask the right questions, seek good advice, you know, to your complex financial problems. Number three, problems, issues, that I see with veterinarians when it comes to their finances is they are just flat underpaid. Veterinarians just as associates and even owners in some cases, they just are not making the money that they are worth to the practice that they're producing. And there's a number of reasons that we can unpack as to why veterinarians are underpaid. So even if it's just a little amount, even if it's $2,000 or $3,000 a year, that's significant money when you add compounding interest to it and you talk about that in the context of savings. 
So a veterinarian may say, well, it's just a couple of $3,000 a year. In the grand scheme of things, that's not very big. It's not worth me going and asking for more. Just not true. It is absolutely worth going and asking and talking and not letting that those even small amounts of money go undetected. In some cases, it's more like fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars a year that a veterinarian is underpaid, and that is, in my opinion, is just highway robbery. And so, let's talk about why they're underpaid to the to a large extent. One reason, in my opinion, is they just don't develop their career. So veterinarians leave veterinary school, they get a job straight out of veterinary school. They're very unlikely to rock the boat. It's in a community that they love, that they want to live in, et cetera. And then they just don't think outside the box when it comes to their career. They don't develop their career. They don't look at other jobs. They don't negotiate effectively when it comes to their own job. And that just almost become too complacent in their job. And that leads to chronic and and long-term underpayment when it comes to their position. Secondly, a lot of veterinarians just do not negotiate effectively. And this is really where I spend a lot of time talking and teaching on how to negotiate effectively. This is one of my favorite things to talk about within the veterinary profession. Some veterinarians become very shy when it comes to money and negotiation, and they just don't do it. They just do continue to table the matter, which means years and years go by without them being compensated properly. Secondly, some veterinarians become extremely emotional when it comes to their compensation and negotiation. So sometimes their communications come across very abrasive and very angry when it comes to you know their job and salary. And that leads to, hey, why do I have this person around if they're going to act like that, which doesn't help the veterinarian, the associate in the long term anyway. So both approaches, either being too shy or too emotional, are not part of an effective negotiation strategy. And so what I teach is, is to know your worth, know your worth to the practice, know your worth as a veterinarian, and then ask for those things in a very appropriate manner. Being paid appropriately is absolutely essential for a veterinarian that is looking for financial wellness. So big issue number three, being underpaid. Well, I'd love to spend more time talking about negotiation itself at at some point in the future. Number four, when veterinarians, when, when thinking about their financial wellness, thinking about their financial future, thinking about their financial plan, if they are thinking about those things, they oftentimes will think about extrinsic motivators, not intrinsic motivators. And this is not just a veterinary related issue. This is a all of American society related issue where we are, as Americans, are are typically conditioned and trained to be motivated by extrinsic factors. What are extrinsic motivators? These are new cars, new clothes, big house, great, you know, street, you know, expensive concert tickets, things along those lines that don't necessarily lead to happiness right away. It's just the the sheer consumerism of the thing that that make people think they're happy. And, you know, this has been said countless different ways that those things aren't what make you happy. Those things aren't what lead to financial wellness. Those are just things. And so the studies show, and I read a lot of the financial literacy press, a lot of the financial education press, and it show, the studies show that when people focus on intrinsic motivators, they are much happier and much more content with their financial wellness and their financial life. So that begs the question, what are intrinsic motivators? Intrinsic motivators are about concentrating on your comfort, your peace of mind, financial security, and most importantly, the control that you have over your finances. So when we shift the way that we think about our finances from that of status and things to peace of mind, financial security, and control, it changes this concept called our financial attitude. And financial attitude is really the essential two words that we want to go after when we're looking at these, this whole overall concept of financial wellness. 
So if we can get veterinarians to change their financial attitude, then veterinarians will be much more likely to be happy, to be content, to not deal with things like burnout, not deal with wanting to leave the profession. We're going to deal with less depression, the studies show. And then, and then the studies also show that people that display a different financial attitude are much likely to deal with suicidal thoughts and tendencies. And so this goes to some very, very deep topics, just this simple, simple concept of, of intrinsic versus extrinsic motivators, financial attitude. So to sum this one up, number four, think in terms of financial attitude. Think in terms of intrinsic motivators, not extrinsic motivators. And lastly, number five, what is the fifth mistake that veterinarians make across the board with their financial wellness and their financial being? And that is they put off, they delay, they delay and put off developing healthy habits until late in their career. And it's just kind of the way that, that our society, the way that the education process sets up veterinarians where we are pushing back these, these core concepts and we never really pick them up. And it's pretty rare that I see veterinarians pick up these healthy financial habits that the financial gurus talk about regularly. And so this is kind of how the timeline plays out. So we're super busy in undergraduate, trying to get into veterinary school, studying every last minute to make sure that GPA is where it needs to be just to purely get into veterinary school. Then while we're in veterinary school, we're way too busy to think about financial topics like debt, like budgeting, like, you know, the things that, that are impact, going to impact our financial future for years and years to come. Why? Because veterinary school is very busy. We all get it. And then after we graduate, you know, we either go through internship and residency or we go straight into a position in a practice and we're pouring everything that we have into our job, our workplace and our patients. And we're just too busy to, again, develop these financial habits. So we end up putting these things off. And then we look up, it's 10, 15 years post-graduation, and we're not doing the things that we needed to be doing. And we're not doing the things that financial folks say are key and essential to financial wellness. And so what I'm saying here is, is we really need to work on building those healthy financial habits as early as possible, pre-veterinary if possible, during veterinary school if you're still in veterinary school, and then as soon as possible after graduation. And you may be wondering, what are these financial habits that I keep referring to? Those are three basic things. Budgeting, setting goals, and establishing an emergency fund. Those three habits are linked directly to financial wellness. And so what is budgeting? That means sitting down and setting and checking a budget at least monthly. Even better, if you can set and check your budget on a weekly basis, it's much more likely to get you closer to that nidus of control that is essential for controlling and managing your finances. Secondly, second financial habit that we need to get into, and that is setting goals. Most veterinarians are checklist people. They love the feeling to check that little box and say, hey, I did this today, and I'm working through my checklist today. I'm very productive today, et cetera, et cetera. Here's your checklist for this. And so that means sitting down and setting goals with the people that are important around you, spouses, kids, parents, however that looks for you. Setting goals for your financial life, setting goals for your career, setting goals for your family life, and even setting goals for things like hobbies and art. Sitting down and setting these goals will really help you create this feeling of control, that you are in control of your financial life, and you're going to take those positive steps to make sure that your financial wellness is taken care of. So and then lastly, we have to get into the habit of setting and starting an emergency fund. And so this is one of those core concepts of financial literacy that's not taught to us from our high school days. But this emergency fund is really what helps people, not just veterinarians, 
sleep well at night, knowing that they've got their finances taken care of in case something bad happens. Those of us that don't set a wellness or a, an emergency fund kind of live on the edge all the time. And that living on the edge leads to undue stress, undue cortisol, undue depression, and then kind of the sequelae of events starts from there. So those three things, budgets, developing a budget and setting a budget and sticking with the budget, developing goals and working to achieve those goals, and then starting and maintaining an emergency fund. Those are the three habits that veterinarians put off way too long in our veterinary career. And so I guess in summary, those are the five things that we really need to work on in the veterinary profession that I see the same mistakes played out over and over and over again. And these are the things that I've worked to create a, a system of emails, basically, that reminds veterinarians on an every other day basis to just simply pay attention to these things. These are not things that are extremely complex, but they make extremely, extremely big steps towards wellness and financial wellness. And, and all that stuff is found on our website over at drip.vet, and the program is called personal financial success. And that's what we spend our time talking and thinking veterinarians about. Dr. Cassie, I really appreciate being here today. This has been an absolute blast and one of my favorite topics to talk about. If anybody has any questions, please let me know. Visit our website. Thanks very much, Dr. Cassie. Thank you so much, Dr. Rosa. And thank you everyone for joining us. And thank you to Hills for sponsoring this event. If you'd like to find out more about this and other exciting podcasts, click on the Education tab on Vetfolio's portal. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this session, as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day. <laughs>